folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I am recording this uh, pretty late after the game, which, which went pretty late itself. Uh, and there's a thunderstorm in my area, so I apologize if that picks up on the mic at all. Uh, but it's just, uh, the, the rain has stopped, the, the monsoon rain that has been going on, but... There might be some occasional thunder here or there. Uh, The Nuggets just finished up their third Summer League game out of five. Uh, They will be playing another couple of games after this next bracket is set up. Uh, It looks to me like, given that they're 0-3, they just lost this one again, they're not going to be winning Summer League by any stretch of the word. Uh... But I do think that we've learned some things, and I do think that we can start talking about them uh, just from the perspective of, hey, now that we know what these three players are going to look like, uh, Bull Bull, Zeke Naji, Bones Highland, in this particular setup, and in how this particular setup is supposed to go, there's some interesting conclusions that can be drawn. So I'm I'm not going to make any wide sweeping things here, but I do want to talk about Summer League, just kind of from that general perspective. And then in the second segment, we're going to be talking about the backcourt rotation. Spent time talking about backup center in last podcast, and now I want to talk about the guard rotation. We've seen some Jamal Murray videos pop up. Uh, he's doing pretty well. Uh, they they mentioned some stuff on the broadcast, so we're going to get into that in the second segment, and I think that should be pretty interesting, so stick around. But for now, let's get into... Summer League, let's get into this game. Uh, In the second game, Bones played pretty well in his debut against Boston. Hoping for a strong encore here against the Phoenix Suns, who are not a really talented team. Uh, Zeke Naji, he struggled in that game, but understandable coming off of a a plane ride and being in health and safety protocols and just being uh, being, very new to that environment and not having any opportunity to prepare. So it's understandable. You're hoping for a bounce back. Unfortunately, that didn't really happen. And the Nuggets, they lost 90 to 84 to the Suns. Uh, I will reiterate, the Suns are not a very talented team. Their best player, uh, Jalen Smith, who they just drafted in the first round last year. Uh, He was apparently a target for the Nuggets, but they drafted him pretty high, 10th overall. Barely played it all that uh, this past year. Not only because, well, it really was because of injury that he didn't play. Uh, They had opportunities given that their front front court rotation, so small and pretty undermanned behind DeAndre Ayton and Dario Saric. So they would have had some opportunities for sure. But uh, Jalen Smith having his first opportunity uh, to really flourish. And this was his career best game so far uh, in a Suns uniform. And Suns fans were really excited to hear that, and unfortunately, I think it comes at the expense of Zeke Naji and Bol Bol, both of them. Uh, The Suns started a duo of Jalen Smith, Kyle Alexander. Both guys were physical. Both guys played really well, uh, combined for 19 rebounds in the about uh, 60 combined minutes or so that they played. Denver's duo of Naji and Bol. They combined for 15 rebounds in about, uh, we'll go 58 minutes or so. Uh, 
In addition, Jalen Smith, Kyle Alexander, they got involved on the offensive glass and really muscled around Denver's interior duo. And I think that's going to bear weight over and not uh, pun intended, basically, uh, over the course of this coming season where Denver is trying to figure out, hey, how are we going to survive when Nikola Jokic is off the floor? What are we going to do at backup center? Well, as I talked about on the last episode, Jamichael Green is definitely the more steady option. Jeff Green is is another veteran option, though he's more of a wing. Uh, These games are not giving me a lot of confidence that Zeke Naji and Bol Bol are ready to handle an NBA rotation spot. And it's not just because of the shooting percentages or the mistakes or anything like that. It's just the way and the manner in which they are both sort of operating here. Let's start with Bol Bol, who I think is just the more noteworthy one because he keeps getting all of the the cred and the highlights and things of that nature where he puts on these uh, strong performances in the highlight sections of things, gets some flashy dunks, gets a perimeter rejection on uh, as a block, but sort of everything and, and also shoots threes like that's don't forget that. Uh, but everything in between that is a little bit shaky. He did have 18 points on 17 shots, went 6 of 17, uh, 3 of three of 9 from 2-point range, 3 of 8 from 3-point range, 3 of 7 from the free throw line. Uh, so it could have been better, but it also like wasn't great to start here. One assist, despite the fact that they gave him the ball a lot, I thought that the game plan in this one was with starting Josh Gray as opposed to Caleb Bagata. Uh, Josh Gray was a playmaker. He would give the ball to Bull Bull in a lot of cases. And there were some times where Bull Bull would be the one handling things, kind of operating as the de facto point guard. And in the first quarter, he had some success with that. Definitely some opportunities there where you give him the opportunity to handle, uh, to get to his spots. He gets fouled a lot. That definitely shows up in the in the uh in the box score to be sure but in practice after that first quarter bull really struggled there were some opportunities that he had uh three point wise and uh going off the dribble that just didn't really develop into anything tangible and positive and That's what happens when you are taking star caliber shots and star caliber possessions. And that's really what it boils down to with Bull. He just looks like a star out there who probably isn't good enough to actually be doing star things. But he shoots like like he he acts and and carries himself and uh, does the thing that you want him to do if you're looking for a star. I just don't see how that's going to translate to an NBA rotation unless he's given the opportunity on a rebuilding team to be part of their future. With Denver, they're in their present. They're trying to win a title. Next, like this coming year, is something that they're going to really gun for, despite the fact that Murray is going to be out for a significant amount of time. And with that being the case, if you're Denver... I'm not sure how you can commit to the ups and downs of that experience, given that you're without Murray. 
given that you're trying to raise the baseline as much as possible. These coaches mostly want to eliminate as much variance as they can. Let their stars carry them through. You know that the variance is going to come from Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon's shooting and whether P.J. Dozier can become a, a stalwart in the rotation as a scorer and a defender. With Bull, I'm not sure if you can go for that ceiling. And this was a conversation that we've had a lot. Uh, it's, just, it's just going to be problematic on a consistent basis. Like Watching him get pushed around and not try to rebound the basketball in any way, shape, or form in a lot of these possessions, uh, whether it's rotations, whether it's rebounds, whether it's just overall motor and fight, he had the worst plus minus on the team today. And I don't think that's an accident. Like, I think that there's some stuff going on there kind of beneath the surface that it's really hard to win that way. So Denver's going to have to find out whether he can win a different way or not. So that's my that's my general bulbul rant, which seems to be happening on a every, every single time on this podcast. But it's tough. It's frustrating. Uh, Zeke Naji. I think that that is a perhaps it's it's not a bigger problem, but I think everybody had higher expectations for Zeke Naji heading into summer league and how he would be able to respond. Uh, so far, he hasn't hit a three yet. Uh, he hit his first two shots today, but went two for ten. Uh, had five turnovers. A couple of them were on the offensive end or like in transition on charges. Had a couple travels. Uh, just fouling, not necessarily in good defensive position a lot of the time. Uh, I thought that Jalen Smith looked like a far better player out there, a far more confident player out there. And that's not what you want to see. Uh, There were several possessions where the Nuggets got it to Zeke Naji, and he had an opportunity to take advantage of a mismatch and fumbled the ball uh, made a, a good move but couldn't finish at the rim. Uh, the results just aren't there. And like I said the last time, Zeke Naji is not a summer league player. He's not there to be flashy. He's not there to be showy. However, the most important thing that you can show while you're out there is confidence. And it just doesn't look like Zeke is very confident with his with his game at the moment. Uh There's a lot of indecision, a lot of hesitation on the jumper. Uh, He takes uh, one dribble pull-ups when he gets the ball, and that's not a really good sign. You want him to be able to go right back up with it or just make a decision and pass it out and work for better offense. But overall, not really impressed, and it's too bad because I I like his overall game and think that he's a better fit next to Jokic and in Denver's rotation than Bull Bull is. But I can also see why many would want Bull Bull in the rotation, given the way that he can handle some of those like offensive responsibilities. Uh, that if Jokic were to go off the floor, then he could still play in at least a a similar way. Not 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 really, but uh, look, Zeke's going to have to work hard, and he's going to have to work on that jumper as he has already very clearly. Uh, would love to see some shots go down for him. Because not like not having hit a three pointer in Vegas is is not a good sign for a jump shooting big man. So 
Let's see if they can draw some things up for him and in this next game and if he can turn the tables a little bit. Bones Highland had a really good debut in his in his first game a couple days ago. Tonight, not as good. Uh, however, was still reasonable. Uh, 15 points on 14 shots, went 4 of 11 from 3. Uh, so he went 1 of 3 from 2-point range, including a nice and 1, uh, where he really had to fight for his uh, shot there and got hit. Was really playing more off-ball in this particular game than he was playing on-ball. And I think that was actually a disservice to him. He sort of reminds me of Jamal Murray and the way that the Nuggets handled Jamal Murray back in 2016. Jamal, when he was in college, he played shooting guard. Uh, Before that, he was a point guard, though. And you knew that the way to unlock what Jamal did well was to put the ball in his hands, give him some higher level of comfort, and to eventually kind of work up the the ability to handle the rock and, and just always have the opportunity to score or pass. I think you want the same thing with Bones. And I wonder if we, because Bones is handled, like I think it's more along, it's further along than where Murray's was when he was a rookie. Uh, Murray was a better shooter, better scorer. Um, but I think there's there's something to be said about Bones having the ball in his hands a little bit more. And I think there's there's some potential for him given the way that he handles pressure reasonably well, as long as he has better spacing than what's been going on in summer league right now, where sometimes he's like, I I just, I don't think that Najee and Bull have been really good in terms of being threats at the four and the five uh, from a spacing perspective. Uh, Bull sort of floats around the middle of the floor a lot. Najee tries to post up on occasion, try to duck in a little bit, but then gets onto the perimeter at at times, but not in a very consistent way. Uh, I like the idea of giving Bones the ball a lot more and seeing what he can do uh, with a perfectly spaced floor, if you can manage it. That probably involves uh, moving one of Najee or Bull to the bench, uh, playing the other at the five and having them just run traditional pick and roll, and see what Bones can do kind of going downhill a little bit because the the playmaking is there and he's shown a lot of great passes and great plays and good decision making when he has the ball in his hands. Uh, had had a nice deep three, uh, made four total. Uh, I think he has a really good shot to be the third string point guard this year. And I think I prefer him in that role than I prefer Austin Rivers. Because I, I like see I like the idea of Bones developing in that role, and I think his defense is going to be further along than what I expected it to be. So, really good stuff uh, from him overall. Uh, looking forward to seeing what's next and and whether Denver goes with a different uh, different starting group going forward. Other guys that stood out, uh, Devon Reed still is probably the best non rostered player on Denver's summer league team. I want him to be the guy to get the two-way contract because I think that there's something to it where he's basically 6'5", got the long wingspan, comfortable taking four or five shots in a game when he's playing 30 minutes. 
And it just seems to me like he knows and is comfortable with how to perform in those situations and, and has been like, he's okay with that role and has been excelling in that role and is willing to put most of his effort in on the defensive end and just spacing the floor for others. I think he's done that really well. Uh, so I would want him to get the two-way contract if I were Denver. I think he deserves that opportunity and could absolutely play next year if you're Denver and if you're in an injury situation. Josh Gray started in place of Caleb Agata. Uh, he's low usage, low mistake, made the right plays, but he's got Jose Calderon syndrome where doesn't really do a lot to create a lot of opportunities for others. Uh, gets good numbers and gets good assists, but it's because he's not making any mistakes and not really pushing the tempo. So probably okay. Probably took took away something from Bones as a creator. Uh, I'd like to see if if they put Bones more on ball. And I think Charles Klask said something to that effect uh, post game that that's something he's going to look to do potentially in the future. Caleb Bagata mentioned him. Uh, he was starting before, but came off the bench this time and had a really strong bounce back game from last time. Was efficient, was effective, good defensive presence, 10 points, five assists, four rebounds, two steals, only one turnover. Uh, he was good. And he's a guy that I think if you are Denver, uh, he and Devon Reed are competing for one of those two way spots. They've definitely been the two best perimeter players. Uh, that are unrostered at this point. And they seem to me like the the standout options. So I've only really watched Denver and their opponents in Summer League, so I can't really speak to who the other guys are, the teams that Denver's been impressed with. But if I were to pick from Denver's particular roster, it would be uh, be Devon Reed or Caleb Agata. Zylan Cheetah, uh, another fine performance. Not great, but uh, he's athletic enough that you can see it. You can absolutely see him being in an NBA rotation, or at least being on an NBA roster and taking advantage of opportunities in transition, uh, being mostly a defensive guy, mostly a fifth option guy who doesn't really take a lot of opportunities from other folks, but just latches onto a roster and works on that jumper until it's good. Uh, I don't think that Denver would go that route despite the fact that he's in that 6'7", 6'8", range that they're really probably looking for. Um, and I also just don't see his shooting being good enough that he can be helpful this year. So that would be my biggest concern with him. Uh, but he was fine. He was pretty good today. Uh, Tariq Black, I actually think, had the best performance on the roster, uh, almost entirely due to the defense, his ability to switch his ability to force mistakes from the opposing team. And then when he had the ball in his hands on the offensive end, as long as he wasn't trying to take guys off the dribble, and he he dribbled himself into a couple turnovers by doing so. Uh, but he was three for three, drew a bunch of fouls, did a good job of creating opportunities for himself and others, uh, led the team in plus minus, and I think that's for a reason. Uh, most of that came on the defensive end. Wasn't like rebounding the ball like a madman or anything, but did have a steal and a block. And overall, just I think disrupted a lot of what the Suns were doing when uh, Bobo wasn't on the floor, when Zeke Naji wasn't on the floor, really. Uh, thought that made some sense. But 
that's really all the notes that I have uh, on the Suns end. Nothing major. Uh, Jalen Smith looked like the best young big man on the floor. And if you are Bull Bull, Zeke Naji, uh, that should be insulting. Jalen Smith hasn't really played at all. And Zeke and Bull should both be ahead of him. And it just didn't look like it out there. It looked like Jalen Smith was uh, clearly ready to go and was talking shit to to Denver's bench at the end of that game because of it. But that's all I have for this one. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the guard rotation during the season. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Given that Denver's in Las Vegas, there's been a lot of opportunities for betting, doing stuff during Summer League. Uh, If you were betting against Denver at the outset, then you've probably made a bunch of money, and that's not great. And obviously, that's that's probably an issue if you're if you're going with that. But uh, DraftKings they help you even during Summer League, even during uh, all of these events. Uh, If you are interested, they will make it happen. They're even doing same-game parlays right now, uh, which is awesome. You love to see that, and you love to see them continue to evolve. And I know the DraftKings, they listen to their audience, and they're going to take care of you. They know exactly what you need, what you're wanting, and they're giving you opportunities to do so. So if you're new, if you're interested, uh, if you want some free cash at the outset, all you have to do is sign up using the promo code MHS. That gives uh, it lets them know that you came for me, and it gives you some special deals. Uh, always love it when people use that code. It, it gives me some great pride. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in, uh, and definitely use DraftKings. Definitely uh, do that for for me. That would be awesome. Must be twenty one or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Uh, wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and roll final segment here. Let's talk about the Nuggets rotation, uh, the guard rotation specifically. And I, I talked about the backup center spot, which I think is a, a point of interest in particular for Summer League and how Denver's going to handle their business. Uh, I don't think that's solved. I don't think any of this is going to be solved for a while. Uh, but something that really stands out with Denver right now and uh, with the conversation surrounding Jamal Murray is that. Denver's going to have to prepare for a significant chunk of time without their star point guard. Uh, it's great to see the Jamal Murray vids that have been popping up. Uh, he's been jogging. He's been jumping. He's been going through shooting drills. Those are all great signs of progress. And uh, just having talked to Gordon Gross on staff and, and others around uh, what it's looking like right now, uh, he looks great. He looks like he's in a really good spot and is taking on the the rehab as well as he can possibly do. So that has really stood out from Denver's coverage and Denver's, uh, I think their ability to make it happen has been important. Um, 
But yeah, on broadcast uh, for ESPN, they said that Denver's hoping to get him back in February or March. And so I, I want to put that into context here, what that really means, because it's kind of ambiguous. February, it's about middle of the season. March is uh, towards the three-quarter mark, whatever. Here's what it actually is. Ten months from the end of the surgery would be February 21st. Uh, Murray got his surgery on April 21st, 2021. February 21st, 2022 would be uh, exactly 10 months after the surgery. And so what we know about ACL tears, what we know about the general range of this thing, it's not going to be nine months in terms of a basketball player coming back from injury. It's not going to be a year. Uh, Usually, it's in that 10 to 11th month range. And so February 21st to March 21st, which is 11 months, sort of makes sense. Makes a good a good sense as a parameter of what to look for. And so back in the 2018-19 season, February 21st meant coming back just after the All-Star break. Which, if you remember, the All-Star break is actually... Uh, and they might change that time this time around, but just after the All-Star break was about two-thirds of the way through the season. That was game 58 of 82 on February 21st, 2019. Uh, The season started then on October 17th. Pretty sure it starts October 18th or 19th or so. So might be pushing it a game back or so from general schedule stuff. I'll, I'll be making sure to do a podcast on the schedule when it does come out. Should be in about, I don't know, a month or so. Uh, But February 21st means game 58 of 82, which means missing the first 57 games and having a total of 25 before the playoffs begin. March 21st meant returning on game 70 of 82, which means missing 69 games and having 13 to recover and to kind of work your way in before the playoffs. So those are two drastically different numbers. And given ACL tears and given general recovery and what that looks like, Denver's not going to want to put a ton of pressure and time on Murray to get back like, and and then to immediately play him 30 minutes a night, 35 minutes a night, uh, coming off of a torn ACL. They are going to take their time with him, probably working some breathers, working some rest, uh, so what it really means is that if he's coming back February 21st, then that probably means Denver's got about 25 games to work him back into things. You play him on none of the back-to-backs. You play him, uh, give him rest like every three out of four games, basically, uh, or every every fourth game or so. And you work his way back into a place where he could probably start towards the end of that. But you're probably still operating under the assumption that Monte Morris is going to be the starter at point guard. And that transitions me into the rotation of what it means. What does all of this mean for Denver? And how are they going to handle things when, given that Murray is going to be out for somewhere between 55 and 70 games? of the 82-game regular season. It's why Denver drafted Bones Highland. It's why they brought back Will Barton, 
Austin Rivers is because they needed scoring. They needed guys who could replace what Murray could bring in the in the regular season. Uh, Bones would be a rookie, and so you don't know necessarily whether he's going to be ready. Uh, but if he is, then you've got him. You've got him as an option. If he's not, well, you just re-signed Will Barton, and he's going to be the starting shooting guard next year. And you just re-signed Austin Rivers, who gave you some pretty good minutes when Jamal Murray was out. And then even into the playoffs, where he helped win Denver a playoff game. So, Denver has options. They've actually got plenty of options. Right now in the backcourt, it looks like they're going to have, outside of Murray, Monte Morris, Will Barton, Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, P.J. Dozier, and Bones Highland. That is six names. Uh, Denver still has two two-way roster spots to fill, so they might bring back, let's say, Marcus Howard, uh, if he were to be somebody. They might bring in Caleb Bagata or Devon Reed, somebody like that. Or they might bring in somebody else that we don't know about. But that is a, as of this moment, Denver has six players in their backcourt that I think you could probably trust with a degree of playing time. You're not going to throw bones into the things immediately, but you could certainly throw Monte Morris and Will Barton out there. Both of those guys are weathered veterans. Barton, especially. He's going to be a guy that I think is probably going to average 30, 33 minutes a night for Denver. Play about two-thirds of the total minutes during a game. And then try to play as many games as possible before Murray does come back. They're going to need Barton. They're going to need him to be that third option in that starting unit. With Monte, they're going to need him to replace the facilitation and the ability to play that two-man game that Jokic brings. I'm not sure that you can just say, hey, Faku, Austin Rivers, P.J. Dozier, Bones Highland. I'm not sure that you could give them that responsibility immediately. Say, hey, we need to be an elite offense still. Just because Jamal Murray is out doesn't mean that we can't do that anymore. But Denver has to find ways to make that work. Monte, Will Barton, I think that's the best way to start. They're almost certainly going to start with Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. Now, if there are injuries, you, you account for that and you try to find out the best way to do so. But behind them is where things, I, th I think, get really interesting because you can mix and match different skill sets. I think initially you're probably going to put Faku and PJ in there. Uh, both of those guys were there initially, and you want the, the quality defense that they provide, but also PJ's got some versatility. Faku can provide some great facilitation for the, the front court rotation. But if your primary backup guards are Faku and PJ, it's not a lot of offense. It's not a lot of pop in terms of the ability to score and keep teams uh, on the defensive uh, with their rotations. Maybe that's where you throw in Austin Rivers or Bones Highland, because those two I think would be next in line. Uh, Rivers at shooting guard and Bones, I think, more at point guard, but the fact still stands is that I think you have those guys to potentially give you some more juice 
And I don't think you're beholden to that order either. I think you're probably going to go with Monte and Will, but could you just as easily, uh, with the backups, go Faku and Bones Highland instead of Faku and PJ? Could you go Bones Highland and PJ as opposed to Faku and PJ? Could you go Austin Rivers and PJ? Like, I think Austin Rivers and PJ Dozier makes a lot of sense. Especially if you've got somebody like Michael Porter Jr. who's rotating in with the starters uh, from the starting unit to the bench. But that's the point. Denver brought in several different combo-sized players. Combo guard-sized. All of these guys are in that, except for except for Faku and, and Monte. Uh, you've got Dozier, you've got Barton, you've got Bones, and you've got Austin Rivers. All of those guys combo guard-sized. You need more size, you go with Dozier and Barton. Those are the biggest guys in their rotation. I think it also makes a, a degree of sense that if you're looking to match up size-wise with opposing teams, you might be foregoing a point guard, but you've got Jokic anyway. You can make it work. Need maximum effort on defense? I think that's where you go Faku and PJ. Need more shooting and scoring? I think Bones Highland and Will Barton, those two playing together, that'd be a dream come true for Bones. I think it would work. You give them opportunities to run and space the floor and go off the dribble and run some DHOs, things like that. It'd be a lot of fun. Need the smart decision-making? You go back to your starting unit, Morris, Barton. Those guys help settle you down. And you need the vets off the bench instead of the young guys? Go with Faku and Austin Rivers. But what really needs to happen with this guard rotation is that without Murray, you can't just survive. You have to learn how to thrive. You have to learn how to be dynamic with that group. It can't just be Jokic and MPJ all the time. They can definitely remove some of the pressure. But you don't want them to remove all of it. You want those guys to be able to take on some of those other assignments. You don't want it to just turn into Jokic and MPJ having to both average 25 points a night all the time. They can do that. And we've seen them do that before. We've also seen Jokic get pretty tired. I'm sure the same will be said for MPJ if he's taking 18 to 20 shots a night. So Denver's backup front court, I don't know if they can remove the same amount of pressure from the guard rotation. Like you've got Jamichael Green there and Jeff Green and Zeke Naji and Bol Bol, Flacco Chanchar, guys like that, but... I'm not sure anybody like that is going to really provide a lot of juice offensively. I don't really trust Bull to do that at this point. Jeff Green's pretty good, but he's one guy and he's not like like he, he's not going to be receiving a bunch of opportunities offensively from a usage standpoint. He's more of a complementary option. So, you got to look for somebody to take on that pressure offensively with the bench. It's one of the reasons why I think that Denver, they're still going to probably stagger Jokic and Porter. Like You need high usage players that can take off some of that pressure, and you need a pecking order. You need players that the rotation understands that they're going to try to get the ball to this guy. Because thinking about the, the backup unit, let's say Jokic and Porter 
they don't stagger. Let's say they're always playing together. All of the other guys, all of the other options, are you going to have a situation where none of those guys are really above a 22% usage rate? Where it really is just kind of running team offense and seeing where it goes? I kind of don't see Michael Malone doing that. Unless, say, Bones Highland steps up and is a dynamic offensive player. Maybe somebody rises to the top. Maybe somebody kind of learns how to become that lead option with the bench. Maybe it's Bones. Maybe it's P.J. Dozier. Maybe they stagger Will Barton and that's how they do it. I think it's a fair question. And it's one of the reasons why this injury is so difficult for Denver. They've tied up so much money and so much uh, of their team with Jamal Murray and with that Jokic-Murray duo. The great thing about Porter is that if you have the Jokic-Murray duo as your starting unit, you can always rotate in Michael Porter with that bench group and always have a guy that you can go to. So maybe that's what they do still. Maybe that's how they make it work. It wouldn't surprise me if that's how they did it. And if that's the case, then maybe what you need next to him is the best possible defenders, the best possible facilitators, guys that you can trust. Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, PJ Dozier, guys like that. That's probably not a situation where Bones Highland makes a lot of sense. Unless you want to just go full offense. And like, it would be fun to play Bones Highland and Michael Porter next to each other. Like, I think you can surround them with pretty good defensive players and make it work. Is Denver willing to do that? Is that something they're willing to try? I don't know. Michael Malone's going to have a really tough job this year of trying to both manage wins, get as many wins as possible, while also trying to manage rest. We're also trying to account for, hey, Nicola needs time off. He needs to not be a 30-point-per-game guy. Michael Porter is going to be the same way. If you put him into a situation where you think that his back injury might act – or back potential issues might act up, that's not a great sign either. So Denver's got to figure out this backcourt. They've got to figure out who they can trust, how many points they need – from that group on a consistent basis in order to make it work. Like if you can count on 45 to 50 from Jokic and Porter, and you know you need about 110 to win games every single time, that means that you've got to figure out how to get 60 to 65 on a consistent basis. Some of that's going to come from the the rest of the frontcourt players, but some of it has to come from the backcourt. The majority of it has to come from the backcourt, that extra stuff. Barton can cut into about 15 to 20. Morris can cut into about 10 to 15. They're going to need some stability behind them too, though. And that's going to be the big story of the season, I think. At least until Murray gets back. And even after that, too. Like, Murray's going to be a 20 to 25 minute per game guy until he gets comfortable. And then he's going to be a 25 to 30 minute per game guy. He may never be a 30 to 35 minute per game guy this year again. So you got to account for it. You got to figure it out. 
And if it means getting more defensive and trying to balance the scales a little bit, then sure. I think you might need some offense, though. And I can understand now, in retrospect, having looked at this and understanding Denver's rotation, what it looks like, what it appears like, why they drafted Bones Highland over a guy like Jaden Springer or a guy like Deuce McBride. They might need that scoring pretty quickly. And if you get into a situation where you're just scrounging for points, at least you've got somebody now that you know can get buckets. And you know is willing to do that. So we'll see if you can. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support over the course of these past few days. Uh, Make sure to check out denverstiffs.com. Make sure to check out this podcast on Mile High Sports. Uh, Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, that would be so cool. Uh, We'll see about podcasting over the weekend and what that entails, but I am I'm looking forward to to seeing the next Bones performance, to seeing whether Zeke Najee can bounce back and what what the next bowl bowl thing is that happens because it seems like everything is happening to that guy. Thank you so much everybody for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys very soon.